Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors, help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Ash Wednesday always has me wondering about the words of the famous preacher William Sloan Coffin. I always wonder if he was right when he said, most people have just enough religion to make them miserable. (laughs) Is misery the point of this day? Is that the point of the season? If not, how do we find a bit more faith? I think part of the answer comes in posture. In spirituality, posture matters. Subtle adjustments can make a big difference. Nuance matters. Lent comes to remind us it is not only what spiritual practice we choose, but how we practice, why we practice that shapes us. Our readings for Ash Wednesday, they center on attention intention. Joel commands the people to sanctify a fast. Sanctify means simply to set something apart. We make something holy by separating it from the mundane. Set the time apart. That's why we call this a holy season, a time set apart. Paul tells us now, now isn't an acceptable time. Then Jesus says, Don't practice in order to be seen by others. Don't blow a trumpet before you give. Make your generosity a secret. It's funny how much in Lent we focus on practices that have to do with food. Say more about that in a moment, but notice Jesus says hardly anything about food. He talks about generosity on Ash Wednesday. I once interviewed a consultant for a stewardship campaign. This was in my previous parish. And we were working to expand practices of generosity in the congregation. And in the interview, the consultant said to me, we should look at creating a system of donor tiers for this church. And he explained that the symphonies and theaters do this all the time. So his idea was that we would print the names of donor by level in the back of the bulletin. If, if someone gave a certain amount, they could be a bronze-level donor and $1,000 more and you could reach silver. And if you were one of the elite givers, you could join something he called the rector's circle. We did not hire that consultant. <laughs> Subtle questions matter in faith. Posture matters. Intention can be everything. On that phone call, I wanted to read him the story of the widow's might. Jesus tells us of the old woman who gives from her poverty. And though the monetary value may have been smaller, Jesus says she gives more. Jesus tells us you can't buy access to God. It it is not what you're able to give, but how you practice giving that matters. Are you giving in a way that changes your perspective? Are you giving in a way that changes your view of the world? 
Are you giving in a way that makes a difference? Likewise, with prayer, Jesus says, pray in secret. Prayer has little to do with performance and everything to do with intention. That's partly why we like the prayers that kids pray so much. I know there are a lot of grandparents in this congregation. I've got a five-year-old over there. I love kids' prayers. You end up praying things like, and God, take care of my aunt and the homeless. There's no performance in a kid's prayer. It's all intention. And in all honesty, kids' prayers are often far clearer than that that comes from us clergy people. This Lent, I would invite you, consider simplifying your prayers. Now, if reading the whole daily office helps you stay centered, if setting all of the bookmarks and ribbons and turning to all of the various pages required, if that's not a distraction, great. If surrounding yourself with prayer cushions, singing bowls, icons, candles, and incense helps you be intentional, by all means. But you don't need all of the paraphernalia. Prayer can be much simpler. It can be setting aside intentional time for stillness, to breathe. It can be as simple as noticing God's caring presence in the midst of a frantic week. Prayer can be as simple as just setting aside that time around sunset, these beautiful New Mexico sunsets, as those mountains turn pink, simply saying thanks, taking time to be there in the moment. Prayer can be simple because prayer is all about our intention. God doesn't need fancy words in order to be present. We can't make God any more present, no matter how wonderful our practice. We can't muscle our way through spirituality. Working harder doesn't make God love us more. Nothing makes God love us more. I'm convinced often that God is waiting for us to stop trying so hard. I know that's true for me. I'm convinced God is often waiting for us to relax, to let go. Many of us need less busyness and more quiet, more gentleness, more room for laughter and joy so we can be open to God's always abiding love. One of the greatest theologians of the 20th century was a black laywoman Episcopalian named Verna Dozier. If you don't know Verna Dozier, I'd encourage you to check her out of the library. And Dozier taught some classes at the Virginia Seminary. She was given an honorary doctorate there. Someone told me she was also given one at Swanee. But her formal training was as a school teacher. One of the greatest theologians of the 20th century taught public school in Washington, D.C. for 35 years. And alongside her school career, she did Bible study, and she led Bible studies in her church, and she became a big advocate. She taught at conferences about how you study the Bible. Verna Dozier once said, don't tell me what you believe. Show me how the world is different because of what you believe. We emphasize so much the what, what we believe, what we practice. Don't neglect the questions of why and how. Intention matters. I always loved that this is the gospel we read on Ash Wednesday in the Episcopal Church. 
because Jesus tells you not to disfigure your appearance and then we smear ashes on your head. <laughs> Jesus says, don't go pray on street corners and what were we doing this morning but ashes to go out on Montano. There's irony in Ash Wednesday and that's okay because sometimes irony helps us to ask good questions. Sometimes irony helps us to worry less about the what's and to find the why's and how's. And Jesus is all about intention in the practice of prayer, this practice of generosity. If we pay attention in the Gospels, Jesus asks subtle questions about our practice of faith, about our how's and our why's all of the time. Speaking about intention. I always share a word of caution on Ash Wednesday. Lent can be dangerous. I worry in Lent about all of the disciplines that we take on around food. I honestly do. So many people live in our society with eating disorders. So many of us are unkind to ourselves when it comes to our bodies. Please do not layer on toxic spirituality in the midst of that. If you struggle with food, please pick something else for Lent. If you struggle to love your body, maybe working on loving your body as it is can be part of your spiritual discipline. If you struggle with food, it may make sense to make your discipline simply, I will feed my body. Or something as simple as, I will talk with someone I trust about my relationship with food. Intention matters. The only meaningful spiritual disciplines around food are disciplines intended to nourish our bodies. For some of us, that is huge work. I just want to acknowledge that and say, please be careful. The best advice I ever heard about Lent came from an old Jesuit chaplain at my college, the University of San Diego. Now, Father J.J. O'Leary was his name, and he was famous on campus for giving the shortest homilies. <laughs> Father J.J. often had the midday mass, and he could get that sucker done in 17 minutes. <laughs> the whole service, not the sermon. And, and he would often do that by simply asking a question in the congregation. He'd invite the congregation to listen to the question and then to go into your hearts to consider the question. And he'd wait just a few seconds and get on with the service. And one Ash Wednesday during the noon service, I saw that JJ was going to be the preacher and I said, I want that one. And he climbed into the pulpit and he said very simply, that when we give up something for Lent, God doesn't want us to give up things that make us happy. If we enjoy chocolate or a martini at the end of the long day, we shouldn't give that up if it's making us happy. He said, God wants you to give up something that makes you sad. So I invite you, go into your hearts. Consider what you might give up that makes you sad. J.J. had a way of cutting through all the usual junk around faith. He could ask a question that get, got right to intention, right to the why, right to the, to the how. Give up what makes you sad.
This Lent, how will you practice enough faith so that it isn't miserable? How could you pay attention to intention, to the subtle hows and whys of your practice? You might find yourself giving up what makes you sad. You might encounter the always present presence of God, the one who meets us even in secret. You might find a spiritual practice which helps you gently to be more fully alive. Amen.